Be'ezes Hashem Yisbarech. We will continue where we are learning the holy letters of the Balatanya, letter number 12. What the Shir is in the Schos Rufur Shalema for Hinda, Bastaba Rachel. We are learning the letter which is in the act of charity is peace. In the inner dimension, the soul and obsession of charity is a never-ending, everlasting, guaranteed harmony and tranquility. We are going deep into this idea to understand what means peace. And to understand what means a never-ending tranquility. And we are explaining that the Balatanya over here explains that peace doesn't start out in the world. Peace doesn't even start out in your own body. But in fact, peace starts out in the heavens. And in those heavens, in the spiritual dimension of man, there is conflicting energies. And those energies, when those energies make peace, in those energies, there's a true peace then there's a peace that finds itself in the world. And although this might sound very spiritual, it might sound very lofty, very... Because we say it every day in davening, He who makes peace in the heavens, who should make peace over here on us. We say this multiple times a day, but we are not aware of this important impact that it has on us. We are not aware how important this is, how central it is to our mission in this world. And the holy Kabbalistic masters explain that one need not go to heaven to understand this peace that he's talking about in this letter. Because from my flesh I must perceive, I must see, I must visualize, I must be able to hold my Creator. I must be able to hold the creative dimension of reality. I must realize that I was created in the image of God. In his image and in his likeness. And therefore, of the peace that he makes in the heavens between the angel of kindness and the angel of strength, the angel of fire and water, the angel of heaven and earth, the angel of soul and body, the source of soul and body, 
the angel of masculine and feminine, the angel of darkness and light. If I understand what type of peace that is, if I understand what that energy is in heaven in its most spiritual form, then I can understand what that peace looks like in my own body, in my own spiritual form. This is an awesome, tremendous revolution to understand that He makes peace in the heavens and to hold that with your hand, to be able to see it, to be able to see what that peace looks like. To see it means to see the significance of life, to see the beauty of the miracle of life. For that we're going very deep into understand the essence of the parshas of this week, which we started to explain yesterday, which is to interchange back and forth from parshas Bereshis, the story of man, Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava, to Avram and Sarah. Which means that Adam and Eve explained the Kabbalists, explained the Hasidic masters, is God and the Jewish people. Adam and Eve were originally one. And then they were split separately. Adam responsible for the soul and Eve responsible for the body. Adam was responsible for the neshama. And Chava was responsible for the body. She's going to nurture the body. She houses the body. She builds the body. She builds the home. She takes the wisdom of her husband and she makes it real. Bina, Yisera, Nesina, Leisha. A woman extrapolates the, body, the, the details. She fixes it, she's mezakechet, she refines it, she extrapolates it, she's metakin it, she brings out all the details to the completion. She takes the pregnant potential that there is in a seed and she makes it into a child. She takes the pregnant potential there is in food and she cooks it, detail by detail. The potential for birth lies within the woman. The potential for birth lies deep within the womb, deep within the body. The potential for interaction. The potential for presence, to be present. Vidovak Bayishta, in order for a man to have any presence in this world, in order for him to be narrowed down, in order for him to be settled, in order for him to be real, in order that he should not pass away with the sands of time, that his good intentions should come real. Because man is responsible for intentions. He's responsible for the kavana. He's responsible for the soul. Man is the intent, the wisdom. He was given the gift of intention. The kavana, the meditation and the intention, and the vision was given to the man. And the woman 
was given the details, was given the refinement, the narrowing down of that attention to make it real, to bring it to completion, to understand that intention, to channel it, to chisel it, to break it down, to strip it down to its core. To take the energy, the soul, to make it real, means to take heaven and make heaven and earth kiss. Where heaven seems like it's heaven and earth seems like it's earth. But to create compassion out of that heaven and earth. Where the heaven will drop its drips down, where will its water will come down deep into the earth and give fruition, give vegetation. And that is the secret of marriage, the interchangeability all the time between soul and body. And woman, when you look at a woman, you're looking at everything feminine in this world. You're looking at everything that resembles the body, that resembles the container, that resembles the holding, the presence of man, the shechina, the interaction, the presence, to be present. means to stop and to hold. To live in the now was given to the woman. That's why a woman... Woman and man have two different mitzvahs. The woman is always present, so therefore the mitzvah shahazman grama. Mitzvahs that are associated with time. We're not given to the woman, because when you are married, the man is responsible for fixing time. He's responsible for fixing the intention, for becoming present. He needs to become present. Woman is already present. Woman is his presence in this world. She's his body. She's his container. She's going to narrow him down. She's going to hold him. She's responsible primarily for the holding, for the for for allowing this, for allowing the creativity, for allowing the soul of the world to be revealed in the world. And a man is primarily responsible for the soul. And together they make one unit. Together they have 200%. 100% soul, 100% body. That's why the key to this idea of what is a woman and what is feminism or what is a man and what is masculinity is a complete confusion. Because masculine was created for feminine and feminine was created for masculine. Soul was created for body and body was created for soul. And God broke it up in a way where He wanted compassion. He wanted interchangeability. He wanted a point where soul and body are so meshed with each other, so interchangeable, that you cannot tell what is soul and what is body. In the messianic era, body will become soul and soul will become body, which is the revelation of the infinite God, which is something that's indescribable. 
We look at technology today when we see a mineral kingdom, we see something that's doimim, and it, it has animation, a screen comes to life, and that is a candy compared to the revolution and the revelation that's going to be in the messianic era. Because we can't, our eyes cannot even perceive what the Jewish people have accomplished for a few thousand years in Gullus, refining the physical, transforming the physical, stripping the physical of its self-oriented, self-preserved, self-centered, and direct self and directed nature. Which is to reach a state where soul and body are interchangeable. Soul and body represent the same exact thing. So when you say, what is a woman? When you say the idea that woman was given this, a woman was given that, and that's a derogatory term, is a complete confusion. Because a woman was given primarily the essence of the material, the mineral. She is primarily the body. And he is primarily the soul. But together they are one unit. They are soul and body together. Together they make up 200%, 100% masculine, which is the soul, and 100% feminine, which is the body. Which means that it's one unit, just like in your body right now, whether you're a man or a woman, would you ever differentiate between your soul and your body? Would you ever ask which one's the purpose? Would you ever say, my body is my feminist, and my masculine, my soul is fighting against my body? It's the most bizarre statement. And the reason why we were created this way, whether you're a man or woman, is to understand your obligation. To understand the purpose of man is to look at your soul and body and see how interchangeable they are. And then understand that you must make that real in your life. You understand in your life you were created that way. Nobody asked you. But now with your spouse to create that unity, to create that shalom, to create that peace... And to realize it makes no difference if you're the soul or the body, if you're the man or the woman. To realize your obligation, if you're the man, to realize your obligation is to become present, your obligation is to become narrowed down, your obligation is to give, your obligation is that you're, you're nothing without your spouse. Because you need to animate, you need to become real, you need to escape from your superficiality. If you're a man, you have to realize that you weren't given the gift of soul for yourself, for your selfishness. Because you will never reach your potential if you're not married, if you're not narrowed down. Married, not only the idea of marriage, but actual marriage, which means interaction with your spouse, interaction with your children, which means that your soul is there all the time to give. So you didn't win the lottery by being a man. The lottery is only one is if you realize your mission is to animate all the time, to bring life all the time to your family, to everybody around you. And if you're a woman, you're giving the same exact way, absolutely no different. In fact, the whole point of this letter is that if you're a woman, you're actually giving much more than a man. Which is the secret of the Messianic era, the secret of the Eitzachayim. Which is if you're a woman... You think you're receiving from the soul. No, your whole entire idea is to be desperate for the soul. To give the soul its ability to express itself. To give your husband his ability to become real. He can never bring children into the world. The idea of a child, the intention of a child he can bring. 
the desire for a child he can bring, the tremendous energy he will bring to the child, the life of the child he will bring. But that life has no meaning in this world without the feminine form, without the woman who's going to cultivate that and nurture that and extract that and hold it. So the feminine form is there for one reason and one reason only, to be able to give. And the masculine form is there for one reason and one reason only, to give. And when you look at your spouse, you realize all the time that you're giving. So Adam and Chava created one, as one unit, and then God says, Don't you realize that the whole purpose of my life, the whole purpose of my creation of the world is that this world represents me at its core. That the first day of creation when everything was nothing represents God the way He was before the world. And God decided He wants a world. Why is beyond our comprehension? Because our soul is beyond our comprehension. When you look in the mirror, you can't discover who you are. Because your soul comes before your mind. Your soul is your life force. Your life force is not something you can hold with your brain. It's not something you can hold with your heart. Most of your life force doesn't even exist in your body. How could you hope to to understand it? To understand why God did what He did? We cannot understand. But God made one declaration with this world. It is not good. Before the world I was infinite. The first day of creation represents God in the most infinite way. In the, in the metaphor of creation, it represents God the way He was before the world. Like when you say Shema Yisrael, you close your eyes, you say, on some level the world doesn't exist. God is everywhere, God is everything. And then God starts to separate this. He says, I want a certain type of real experience that I created. I want an experience where I will come deep into this world. And I will become real in this world. And then he separates his two energies. One energy that will reveal him and one energy that will contain him. One energy that represents him and one energy that will hold him. And that is created with man. Adam, who has two heads, Adam and Chava. One represents the soul, one represents the body, one represents Chochma, one represents Bina. One represents the concept and one represents the holding of the concept, the pregnant potential of the concept. One represents heaven, one represents earth, one represents God before He created the world, and one represents God after He comes into the world. But then God says, that's not my purpose in the world, that's not what I wanted. I want to show something deeper, which is, I don't want Adam to be one. Alone. I don't want Adam and Eve not to know each other. Even though they have two heads, I want them to know each other. Which is the beginning of the capability of the Chetet Tzadas. And then he separated them too. The Holy Kabbalists say this is one of the greatest secrets that's only going to be revealed in the Messianic era. Which is the ability for sin was created with the creation of the world. The ability for sin was created with creation of the body. Which is a very deep concept on its own. But to see the enormous magnificence of separating Adam and Chava. 
Which means now, Adam is responsible for the soul. Adam responsible. For, he represents God. And Chava represents the Jewish people. So all the time when you're looking at man, you're always looking at two levels. Everything in life you're looking at. God, the way he was before the world, and what he wants with this world. Very, very deep concept, but to be able to understand it, Adam and Chava. Adam represents God, Chava represents the Jewish people. And to see the enormity of this, which is to see the interchangeability, to see the representation of it. And then comes along, one day comes along, right in the beginning, the snake. Who does the snake represent? The snake represents the whole entire darkness of the world, the whole entire darkness of the feminine form, the darkness of the body, the darkness of darkness, the original darkness. And the snake gives one look at Chava and sees, this is a beautiful body. And the snake says, I need to get Chava to realize the beauty of her feminine form so then I can have a relationship with her. Because the snake was just the soul that's in a body, that's it. Which the whole entire purpose of the snake was body, nothing more. But Chava was the body of Adam. Adam and Chavar were one, but when they were split, now Adam became representative of the soul. And Chava came representative of the body, but the divine body, the, the body that's supposed to be a mishkan for the Ebeshtra, a temple of God. And the reason why the snake was so interested in Chava was because Chava represented the form of God, the way it's come down in this world. Where there's no contradiction where God becomes real in the world, where there's Malchus, where God's kingdom is, God becomes king, because to be king you have to be separate, but you have to submit. And God wants the Jewish people to be his nation, to be his kingdom, to, to magnify him, to glorify him, to crown him as king, to crown someone as king must be separate from him. And Chava represented that point, to be the kingdom of heaven. There has to be a king and then the kingdom. Chava is the kingdom. The Jewish people is the kingdom. And the snake didn't understand that. And the snake takes this food that allows you self-awareness and he gives it to Chava. And now Chava sees her beautiful form and she sees the tremendous allure of the physical, the tremendous allure of the physical that she has, which in spiritual means that God is going to be revealed in me in the kingdom, which means I, am so, I have presence in me. I hold the body. I hold this enormous amount of energy. And now Chava is in touch with this selfishness to see the power of the feminine form that it can have over the masculine. Because in spiritual, the masculine will only become real through me. And then she gives, she tries to seduce Adam with this because she wants him now also to open up his eyes to see that she's not separate, she's not lower than him. In fact, she's greater than him. And then Adam also realizes it. <coughs> And now a new dimension of reality was created, which is the separation of the genders, which is the impurity of the control that I can have over you. And each one's fighting to show that he's better, which is the opposite of peace. 
Because then I'm asking what I can get from you. And then to develop that really the goal of man is husband and wife, Adam and Chava, God and the Jewish people, what can I give you? God is saying all the time what I want to give you. And the Jewish people have to cultivate this idea that we are not receivers, we are givers. As the woman of God, we are giving God. We are giving Him the opportunity for Him to develop His kingdom in this world. We are giving kindness, we are not getting kindness. We are giving as the feminine form, as the form, as the Yishko in Hashem, as the temple of God. To walk hand in hand with God, for Adam and Chav in the Messianic era, to walk hand in hand, to be equal. Real marriage, as the Holy Balatani says in Pashat Vayigash, real marriage will only happen when Mashiach comes, when husband and wife will be equal. Equal in what sense? That we're both giving. We're not receiving, none of us are receiving. Shechita Begalusa, the idea that God is in Golis means that, so to speak, that everyone's trying to receive. When the masculine form is in Golas, because the masculine is trying to receive from the feminine. Because the Chet Etzadas was an introduction that what can I get from you? When God says that's a confusion of the world, I wanted it, I created this world, not what I can get, but what I can give you. And you are here, only what you can give me. So the fact that in your tefillin, the Jewish people's tefillin says how great God is, because that's precisely the point. I want to make you givers. Before the world was created, there was nobody else to give but me. But I created you so you can give, so you can be a partner with me. And I created you so I can give. And in the Messianic era, both husband and wife are always going to be in a state of giving, both in your micro-marriage and the macro-marriage. And in that space, Adam and Eve will walk in the paradise. We will walk in the divine image, which is originally was supposed to be, which Adam and Chava to walk in hand in hand, not to be a Siamese twin, but to be separate and to be one. You understand the magnificence, the beauty of that is to be separate and to be one. You understand that every time we're compassionate with our children, every time we're compassionate with strangers that we never met before, every time we're compassionate with our spouse, we are walking in the divine image. We are ushering in the messianic era to walk and to realize that you're the creator of the world. To understand that you hold all of the kindness in the world if you're trying to receive you're still trapped. The gift of this world is compassion. The gift of this world is that gvura becomes chesed. That the Jewish people who look like the gvura, look like they're the body, look like they have to create a sense of complaining because I'm receiving all the time to understand that you're not receiving nothing at all. You're receiving the greatest gift of all, which is to give. And to be in that space all the time, whether you're a rich person or a poor person, whether you represent the masculine or the feminine, whether you're the teacher or the student, to realize that all the time you're giving, and if you understand that you're giving, you have touched compassion. Because compassion means that body and soul are both giving all the time. Husband and wife are both giving all the time. Mother and father are both giving all the time. Child and parent are giving all the time. To teach a child that the child's giving the parent is the most magnificent thing in the world. Because then the child is on his own, the child self-made, the child is already the parent. To understand the enormous obligation of compassion, which means no state, doesn't matter what state you are, because as a general matter, the Jewish people represent Chava, they represent the woman. But in the Messianic era, the woman will give birth every day on her own. Without a man, because the secret of creation is that God wanted equality between men and women. And equality means equal but different, because we have a different way of giving. 
As the woman of God, we are giving to God in a different way. We are allowing Him to be. We are expressing when we get in touch with our altruistic, our highest form, our selfless giving. God's giving to us selflessly. But it's all superficial, that's superficial. But when we give back, when we give in our own private life, when we do compassion selflessly, that's real giving. God wanted to express real giving. That's why He created the world. Real giving means feminine giving, which means Jewish giving, which means B'nai Yisrael, to give from a space of reality, real. I really feel like a pauper. I feel like I'm asking God all the time, but to realize in that state, He gave you the opportunity to give, to understand the magnificent, the enormous, the magnifying secret of reality, which is the secret of compassion. To understand what means avoid this atzadaka, to be very obsessed with it, which means to understand that the Jewish people are the feminine form, they are the woman of God, and to push themselves, to give in all the state, like He says over here, to give and give and give much more than your compassionate nature, which means to go into your pregnant potential, which means to tap into the divine image. It looks like the soul is trapped in Chava. It looks like the soul of God is trapped in the Jewish nation. 15 million people fragmented. But ultimately speaking, the soul of God will be revealed. Adam and Chava will be interchangeable. Adam and Chava, you won't be able to tell who is the body and who is the soul. There won't be no masculine, no feminine. Because we will have merged so deeply with the divine. We will become so selfless. Which is so infinite. Which we're not concerned with what I can get. But only concerned with what I can give. Which is the secret of compassion. Which is the secret of the whole entire Torah which is the secret of a never-ending, everlasting tranquility, a silence, where the whole entire purpose of man is understood. Understood not in a way that I could touch it, not in a way I could hold it, but in a way that it's silenced. Everything is understood and nothing can be expressed. Nothing can be defined. You can never give this over to anybody. You have to touch it with your own hands. You have to feel it with your own hands. You have to become drunk with compassion until it converts you, until it takes you over. Till you see the world from different glasses. But not in the messianic era. To do that today. To be able to do it today is the greatest gift in the world. Which means that the Jewish people become a self-made woman. Meaning to say that they say, that I am created in the image of my God. And I will be Adam al I will unleash that pregnant potential of unlimited kindness today. What I can give today. How I can push myself to the limit. How I can put myself in someone else's shoes to unleash that divinity. The miracle of compassion to unleash it. Which means that I become a miraculous woman. Which means that as the Jewish people, as one person in the Jewish people, whether I'm a man or woman, I will have touched infinity. I will touch the miracle where the miracle of life will be that I will not, the nature will not be ruling over me. I will rule over nature. Which means that I'm a shut of Lakadish Baruch of my separation. I'm a partner with God in the creation of the world. And then I'm creating the world all the time. Then the world, the nature of the world cannot hold me. I hold the nature. But he says you must obsess on it. You know, if you want that silence, if you want something more than peace, if you want a never-ending, everlasting clarity where the world is owned by you. The feminine form, the body, everything, nothing is trapped. You're not trapped. The infinity of your consciousness. The soul that seems like it's trapped in the body of the Jewish people. The Shechinta Begalusa. When we unleash that and we become equal, we become partners with God. Because the unselfless kindness He's giving us, we are giving all the time to each other and to Him. And that state is to usher in the Messianic era before the Messianic era comes. 
And that is the greatest gift in the world. And to understand that, to, to make that your obsession now, that's the most magical thing in the world. But we talk about it. We can be tempted. But to actually drink from it is to realize that it's a hashkit v'vetach. There's a silence that's indescribable. 